Welcome, perfect stranger. My name is Valerie. I see myself as a nomad with deep roots. I'm fascinated by our cultural differences and at the same time by what we all have in common. The more I meet people from diverse backgrounds, the more I learn about myself and the world. In this podcast, I would like to give you the opportunity to experience it by stepping in somebody else's shoes for a moment. Hello, perfect stranger. Today, as we are still in a stay-at-home order, I decided that instead of interviewing a guest, I would speak about a book that I just read and found really interesting. This book speaks about our common humanity, and I thought it was a very good subject for my podcast. The author of the book is Nicola Christakis, and... His theory is that we all have a blueprint to make a good society. So it's an optimistic book. When you look at humanity and history, you may think that we are doomed and that human beings are bad, but not. On the contrary, his goal is to convince us that our goodness is encoded in our genes and there is a reason why we are good. And that's why I'm going to try to explain to you. Christakis began to think about what we have in common when he was working as a hospice doctor because he spent a lot of time with dying patients and he noticed that at the end of their life, all of these different people had the same aspirations. They wanted to make amends for their mistake, to be with loved ones, and they also felt the need to share their stories with somebody who would listen. And so he found that really interesting to see that till the end, social connection and understanding is very important to all of us. From there, he did a lot of research in lab and looking at anthropologic studies around the world on every kind of population. And he also looked at the animal world to see what we might have in common with them and what is very different. So Christakis throughout his book shows us that we have some core elements that we all share as human beings wherever we are on earth. And then he explained why it makes sense for us to have these core elements and how it helped us survive and thrive everywhere. So I have a question for you. What is one element that all humans face wherever they are on our planet and that is also our biggest threat? Any idea? It's the presence of other humans. So it makes sense that natural selection throughout history has favored a way to be able to live with these other humans and to find common solutions. Christakis gives us eight features that for him are at the core of every human society. And he says that we really need these essential elements and we shouldn't deviate too much from this core or our societies might collapse. He speaks about a danger to these core elements. And what is interesting is he gives us two examples of new radical technologies who could potentially put these core elements in danger. And these two technologies are artificial intelligence and gene editing. So artificial intelligence, it's the first time in history that we have a technology that can have its own ends and its own desires. 
And we could imagine that these machines begin to teach our children and have another view of what is important and what altruism is, for example. And the second technology, gene editing, it's an exciting technology, but, you know, if at first we know that it's going to be used to fight diseases and it's going to be very helpful, the danger is that in a second phase, scientists try to enhance humans. And then who knows, maybe one day they could change genes and make us be like, for example, less empathetic or less friendly. So now let me give you some examples of these eight fundamental features. So one is love for partners of children. Across the mammalian world, all the females have this bonding with their offsprings. But for humans, this extended to our partner. And that's quite special. And there is reason for that, you know, because if you have the same feelings for your partner than for your children then you have more chance to keep the male around and females need support and food while they are pregnant and when they raise the babies. As you know, the human babies take a long time to even be able to walk. And then these feelings have extended to other people in the group and that's what he called friendship. He makes the point that friendship is very essential too because... When you lived in primitive societies, you were always at risk to be wounded, to be sick, or there would be a lack of food or attacks from other group. And it was essential to be able to count of some help in these cases. So friendship is very powerful for that. And to be able to have friendship with other individuals, you have to be able to recognize them easily so that you know you are unique for them, irreplaceable. When you look at the human body, all the different body parts are not very different from one human to another. And usually they are correlated, like if you have a long hand, it's usually wide. But if you look at our faces, they are very different and there are a lot of different genes who code our face. And the lack of correlation allows a lot of combination. For example, you can have a big nose with small eyes and wide lips, large forehead and small ears. You have endless combination. And for him, it allows us to recognize who are our friends and make alliances. And once you have friendship, it builds social networks. And that's another of these features. And you know, if you look at social networks, nowadays they are the same as they used to be in primitive societies. It didn't change. It's the same with friendships. And what you see when you study these social networks is the preference for your own group. And that's another key element. You know, you can create group artificially in a lab, like put people together because they like the color orange, for example. You know, you can use the most trivial features and it works. Humans will discriminate against out-group members, even so there is no logical reason for it, or even so the group has no history. This is important because it facilitated cooperation with strangers. Because if they are part of your group, so then you have this basic trust that allows you to work with somebody you don't know. This prejudicial treatment begins at a very young age. Brain scan studies show that particular regions of the brain are devoted to social categorization. So we do that all the time from when we are born to help us manage a complex world. 
So it's very useful, but at the same time, it can be used for bad actions. We have seen throughout history and still see nowadays how this group identification is used by vicious leaders to actively foster out-group hatred. Sometimes, you know, the prejudice is more subtle. It only involves an absence of positive views of other group. You know, you can maintain discrimination and bias just because sympathy or trust or admiration are given solely to the member of your group. So the other groups have no qualities in your eyes. I think this point is important to remember as we see a lot of tensions between different groups around the world. So to summarize, I spoke to you about some of the core elements that we all have love, friendship, social networks, and the capability to recognize individuals. I didn't speak about the others. I will just give you the list. So is social learning and teaching, Magyarki, cooperation. And if you are interested, you can learn more about them in the book. So I would like to add a point that is very important to Christakis. We shouldn't have a dichotomy between biology and human behavior studies. It's very important to accept these genetic aspects of our behavior because it helps us understand why so many social problems recur with such maddening frequency. You know, if you want to have a better understanding and adopt better practices, you better accept that our behavior is partly influenced by our genes. So I'm going to leave the last words to Christakis. It's tempting to look at human history as full of abject misery and dysfunction. One can pick any century and find it replete with horrors. But we shouldn't give historical forces primacy. The project of evolutionary sociology in which we have been engaged reveals that humans everywhere are pre-wired to make a particular kind of society one full of love, friendship, cooperation, and learning. We should be humble in the face of temptations to engineer society in opposition to our instincts. Fortunately, we do not need to exercise any such authority in order to have a good life. The arc of our evolutionary history bends towards goodness. So when you get upset or frustrated and sad When you read the news, don't forget. Love, friendship, cooperation, all these things are in our genes and are there to help us be kind to each other in order to have a good society. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I really encourage you to read the book. And if you have questions, you can write to me. Stay safe. Bye.